Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities, and our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Everybody, good morning, and welcome back to World Forge. How's welcome it going, back. Sam? Hey, it's going. It's going really good. Uh, we are on. We're on the right side of one hundred now. I think. Yeah. Right? Dang. <laughs> do, do I look older? Yeah, I feel older. Oh. Uh, I feel. <laughs> I feel a little hungover. Yeah. No, me too. <laughs> I've but, got my coffee. I'm. I'm slowly waking up, but I am all nonetheless ready to create some awesome new things. Yes, exactly. Luckily for us, um, we don't really have to bring the heat this week ourselves because we have two lovely guests who are here to do all of the heavy lifting for oh, us. Hell yeah. Actually, uh, guys, do you want to? Go ahead and introduce yourselves here. Yes, hello. I am Zach, and I've brought with me Chris Daly. We're from the Roll Table Podcast. We're back hello. in the day Jeff and I visited. Jeff, another cast member, and we're back. Yeah. Hooray, welcome yeah. back. We were, Good to hear your voices again. We were so happy yeah, to have you here again. That was a blast last time. I think we I think we got sharks with legs and a sexy pirate out of that one, like alabaster mcnally smith or something like that yeah. I don't remember. shark the shark leg <laughs> thing and we and we had to deal with that shenanigans <laughs> he was like a henchman of a villain in our season yeah three. i kind of <laughs> mentioned in that uh episode that i was in the process of planning our knights of the world table season three which was pirate themed so definitely sharks with legs turned up and several other nice. things we talked about in that episode awesome. hell yeah did your sharks also have arms or were they just sharks with legs I don't know if they used their arms. They had arms. Yeah, they were like humanoid (laughs) sharks, but they specifically encountered them like they would patrol, like normal pirates would patrol the ship on deck and the shark pirates would patrol the ship underwater and they approached from underwater. So they got to have some fun. I Very love that. nice. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> just their limp arms yeah. dangling by them. <laughs> just weird little vestiges. Like little T-Rex, T-rex arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, it's uh, always good to know that some of the nonsense that we've, you know, put out into the world is actually being made use of in some way. I feel like mm-hmm. so much just gets kind of, you know slid off into the into the gutter to be forgotten about forever after the episode <laughs> ends so it's it's nice to know that we did a good one once all, all of us collectively again you guys probably did most of the heavy lifting in that episode as well I think. <laughs> um but yeah so we're not here to talk about sharks with arms or legs today no no we're here to talk about uh people who run stores yes Isn't yeah that right this was your idea for a topic zach and i really liked it the idea of eccentric shopkeepers Ooh, because eccentric I think this is a, a a type of person that can fill a lot of really important roles in a campaign, right? It doesn't necessarily just have to be, oh, the guy we, we buy all of our, our weapons or whatever from. It can be a person that, you know, brings news of far off lands because they travel around, like, you know, hawking their wares. Or they could be a quest giver or they could be, um, you know, even the target of a quest. They could be the person that tricks your party into buying a, you know, fake gold plated 
uh, breastplate or something like that. And then you have to go after them and get your money back. Uh, yeah, I'll go yeah. into things. <laughs> I think there's a lot we can do with this. So thank you for laying this one at our at our feet here, Zach. But before we jump into that, um, I, I also, I definitely do want to take uh, a minute here and give you guys a chance to talk about Nice the Roll Table. What do you guys have going on in the show right now? Where can people find you? Mm-hmm. What is it that you do? What is What is your show? <clears throat> Uh, Zach, you want to take this? Sure. We are an actual play D&D 5e-based podcast. Started almost exactly the same time as Worldforge started. Sam and yeah. I kind of encountered <laughs> each other in the same sort of forums <laughs> as we were both starting. Um, yeah. And uh, we're a bunch of friends that knew each other from doing live improv comedy performances. So we kind of bring that vibe over. And a few of the things that I think make our show unique that are also very applicable to the topic of your show is we've done a lot of things with the format to like uh, reinforce collaborative storytelling so that kind of the whole group it's not kind of one dm creates the whole story and the players follow along Um, we've kind of structurally done some things to share that like world building burden with everybody starting with we've nice we do pretty short seasons. So the first season that I DM'd was 12 episodes. And then we did a second season where some in the same world, some of the same characters continued on and met some new characters. So uh, Chris's character went to do something else. I played a character and Chris became the DM of our second season, which was like 16 episodes. Um, so cool. since then we did, I came back and DM to season three where we tried some new things. And then Jeff Frank from our previous episode here just finished up actually i think we just dropped our finale episode for season four and now chris Mm -hmm. is taking over again for season five and so it's been it's one big story with a bunch of characters kind of rotating through um with different people kind of collaborating in the big story but the nice thing is that you can come in yeah you can come into one season and just listen to a season by itself and it kind of works by itself i Mm -hmm. mean like there's stuff that (laughs) we mentioned before it but everything sort of resets each season so you don't necessarily need to listen to what's previously on there we wanted it to be accessible and not a lot of these D shows it's like oh 64 episodes like what where am i gonna start? yeah <laughs> you know it's yeah. and we wanted it to be like well let's make it a little bit more accessible um and the other thing is a lot of us have kids so we we have made it sort of a unwritten rule where we're trying to keep it very family friendly where you know yeah. we're, we're not we're keeping the innuendo kind of there but but no, <laughs> no bad language no overtly you know sexual monsters or anything like that just <laughs> <laughs> overtly sexual unlike our monsters. show yeah <laughs> i mean i mean i listened to another show i'm not going to say what it is but they but it was like it was a penis monster is essentially what it was <laughs> oh my gosh that sounds like something we would have created on air, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was. Maybe that's the other thing, time, it that was. it was applied. Um, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I, you know, I really like that. And I, I think having, one, having more bite-sized content in the D&D podcast sphere is really, really nice. It, like you said, it's really intimidating sometimes to get into new shows when they already have, you know, a hundred episodes, 200 episodes, something, you know, like try and get into yeah. critical role now. Right. Like mm-hmm. where do you even begin with a yeah. lot of that stuff? So I think it's really uh, a, a great little niche to kind of fill because I don't think there is a lot 
that's out there that's it's every sort of season is kind of a different flavor and you can kind of jump in whenever you want i like that variety and i like that versatility that you guys sort of bring i think that's awesome yeah yeah um and you know i think also just the you know you you said the dm duties uh that you're sharing the burden by kind of passing Mm -hmm. that back and forth right and i you know I think that's a good way to describe it sometimes. Like it really can feel like even, even in games that I really love running a lot of the times, if I don't have stuff kind of prepared, you know, way, way in advance, like multiple Mm -hmm. sessions in advance, like you'll run into situations where, Oh shoot, we have a game tomorrow. I have to figure out like, I don't know, some stupid puzzle or I have to come up with something for them to do. Right. I I'm Mm -hmm. sure that can kind of help avoid the, um, falling into the, the doldrums of, you know, like a creative rut or writer, D&D writer's block sort of. Yeah. Um, you guys can kind of feed off of each other and get ideas as players and as characters. And I, I think that's always a really good thing. It makes me think of something that one of our DMs, Aaron, said recently, yeah. where um, we often ask him, we're like, how much of this did you plan out in advance? And he's like, honestly, you guys have no idea how often you've <laughs> joked about something and I write it down. And I'm like, well, that's coming back and it's going to be part of the plot later. And it's like, oh, man. So it's kind of collaborative. <laughs> totally. Totally. Is that yeah. something that you guys encounter a lot? I mean, is that something that, Zach, you know, when you're running a, a game, you know, uh, Chris or Jeff or somebody will make an offhanded joke and then you go, Oh shoot, that's going to next season. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, going back to the, like the notion of like, kind of like handing off the DM burden, I think that's been huge in terms of like, you definitely get worn down as a DM. It's yeah. been really good to like, you know, doing my first arc towards the end of it was definitely like, this has been fun, but I'm tired. And it's also kind of nerve wracking to have to like record an episode and have it be like worth listening to. And so it was a really good, like, I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I don't have to do this for a while. And then by the time I came back (laughs) at the end of the, you know, for season three, I was definitely ready to jump in again and I had new ideas and I was excited about it. So it's really helped avoid burnout. Um, And then, yeah, in terms of, you know, uh, incorporating player ideas for sure. That's been, that's been a big piece and not even necessarily offhand jokes. We've definitely had some offhand jokes that have become major things. Like I <laughs> created an item. I think I might've mentioned this on the last show. I, I, sometimes we accidentally create joke, magical items that then the players <laughs> use to massive effects later on. Our cloak of camouflage just came back into the podcast mm. after season four, which was just came out of me not being able to say camouflage. And now we have a cloak <laughs> that turns you into a camel. Um, I love that. But is it but one hump or two? It's so useful. We talked about that. I think it's one. It's one. I think it depends actually on what you want. I think I think we we somebody specifically asked that, and I think it's either one. The where are the nice. sides, Bactrian or yes. dromedary. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like when you put on the sorting hat, like it tells you what you want to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and then we, oh, we've also done, Campbell. we've also done like a session zero for each season. So we try to focus yeah. on new stuff and, and often there, there's like a, Hey, what do you guys want to focus on? Like if, if we've been doing too much, you know, combat or, or too much, you know, certain types of role play or whatever, then it's a chance for people. Be- people to be like, well, I want to do a little bit more of this, or I want to do, you know, more of this kind of thing. So it's nice to get feedback, like have these little reset points along the way, because I feel like in in offline campaigns, or if you're not recording for a show, there there might not be that like, hey, we need to check in with everybody, because that's a weird thing to do with a group of friends, or even just like, you know, with a party or something. But I, I would definitely recommend 
you know, if, if somebody's like, well, who's going to DM our group? Well, I will. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to DM for three years. Like, switch it up yeah. a little bit. It's, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like, uh, it, it's, it's so important. Like, DMs love to play players. So... Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's good for a player to say, well, uh, now it's my turn. Like have, have a set, you know, 12 sessions I'm going to DM and I'm going to wrap up a sort of a, an arc of the story and you, you don't even have to do it. We do it because it's a podcast, but you know, you could do yeah. this for an offline thing too. Definitely. Well, and I think especially talking about having, um, the, these like kind of reset points, right. Can be a really, really useful thing. Um, yeah. you know, we, we, we talk about like, uh, like, like process loops, right. Where you'll put something into play, you'll look for, you know, feedback, you'll look for results. And then you start back at the beginning and you modify your approach and, you know, you keep going in sort of a, a cycle here over and over and over again. And it's probably really helpful for a lot of people to intentionally build those types of things into their D and D sessions, because you can get to a point where you can sort of say, we've been playing for you know, weeks and nobody's having fun. Something isn't working, but it's hard to step away and yeah. and mm-hmm. analyze that if you don't have these built-in sort of checkpoints, mm-hmm. essentially. And I and I think having it so that hey, every five sessions we switch DMs or every ten sessions we you know switch settings or something like that can can be a good thing to keep you in a you know a creative mindset to make sure that yeah. everybody is getting what they want out of a game. Everybody's having fun, and that can be a really difficult thing to to do if you're not being sort of prompted by it. So mm-hmm. forcing yourself into these sort of loops, I think is kind of a, uh, you know, I don't know if that was your intention when you designed this, but I'm sure you're reaping the benefits of that I think, either way. I think our original intention was we, we're selfishly like, we want to play a lot of characters. So, <laughs> so we were like, well, I want to, I'll be DM for a while where I'll play a lot of characters, but then I also want to play a player, you know, and everybody was like, yeah, yeah. me too, me too. So, that it, it it ended up being that but but it it, it ended up being like uh, more beneficial for the for the overall arc and for the overall story i think just to have those different things i don't i i don't know if it's super confusing to people like i mean we've gotten a little bit of feedback <laughs> um about how it flows and mostly it's been positive but nobody's been like it's super confusing that you guys have a lot of dms like no one said that so i i, I yeah, guess it's good <laughs> It's kind of a it's a fundamental piece of of improv that mm-hmm. what you when you're doing improv well you're listening to each other you're sharing ideas and you end up creating things that are bigger than any one person could have created on their own because it's multiple yeah. ideas and so it's kind of that on a much much more as opposed to doing that in a three minute scene with two characters it's doing that on this like grand epic scale and so yeah there's some push and pull of it there's definitely things that i feel like i'm setting up in a scene that i hand off to the next dm jeff or chris and then they're like totally go a different direction with it or they totally like <laughs> drop that for later and do their own thing which is has been great it brings mm-hmm. in things it leaves like kind of storylines and other ideas that we can pick up later and bring into the story. And it also just like refreshes everything so that there's always new ideas, new themes, new stuff going on. So overall, I You're think it's been taking good. the the JJ Abrams Star Wars approach, which has always worked out really well. In every- <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually I kind of wanted to ask you guys um, based especially on what you just said there is 
Have you ever experienced kind of, um, I don't know, almost feeling sort of possessive of elements of the world that you've created? Because I know for me as a creator, when I go really into like making a world in the setting, I tend to like get all these ideas about things that I want to happen later on. And it can be a little hard to kind of hand that off to someone else and let them just then create and take it in different directions. Because maybe I've been envisioning it actually being like this, but they've been envisioning it differently. So then when they have control, they do something else. And like, you know, have you experienced that at all? Or is that kind of just part of the, uh, the improv going with it thing? Where you're like, okay, well, I guess that is now canon, and we're just going to go with it. <laughs> I guess high elves are blue. Who would have yeah. guessed? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I think, I think, like you said, the the improv background that we have, we're so used to being like, well, that's how it is now. Like you just yes, the yes and sort of mentality, <laughs> mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you you yeah. don't you you can't be precious with your babies. Like you have to let them go, and and that's really important. I think if you're, I think if you do get too attached, like, um, like we what we do for each season is we we've also created a new realm in, in our world. So it's, it's almost like a separate little country. So it's like our, this country has these rules and this, and this kind of government and this kind of landscape or whatever. And I think that helps because that way, the only thing that we've seen before in a previous DMS uh, season is, is maybe some characters and, and some of the rules, but there are some things that were established. Like I think, um, uh, what is it? Uh, goblins have a Russian accent. Uh, <laughs> that, that was established by Matt. Um, you know, they, they talk like this and, you know, they, they have very low voices and they all have variations on that. And, you know, <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, th- th- there's little things like that that we're like, yep, that's a thing now. And, and that's how, mm. yeah, that's how th- those characters are going to be. Like we've established that there was a, technological boom about a thousand years ago and then it was like cut off and but there's elements and sort of pieces of technology from an evil inventor from a long time ago that kept kept popping up here and there um which is kind of interesting um yeah that has been a good thing structurally that like it's not it's not like you're going in a straight line with all the same characters and then somebody else takes over, you know, kind of like you're describing in Star Wars. Somebody else takes over and suddenly the same characters <laughs> feel totally different. And the same story feels yeah. very different. Mm-hmm. It's very much been, well, these two characters kind of buddy up and travel over to this realm where this they meet some new people in this whole different story starts that's like interrelated, definitely in the same world. But for sure, each season is its own, definitely feels like its own thing. More like kind of Certainly. multiple multiple films happening in the same universe with some characters that turn up rather than like the direct sequel in in order with yeah. the same characters. It's more, and it's that's more been, MCU that's been than, than, uh, yeah. than Star Wars. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say I almost wish that studios could do that more often instead of just yeah. being like well let's just write a thousand sequels did you want to know what so and so's second cousin is up to right. here it is it's like no we don't care about that like give us new people stop yeah. continuing these boring dynasties I want to see that with like weird shit too you know what I mean like you know because we have the MCU which has been really the only great example i can think of of that working out really well and you know i think a big part of that is that well you know hey it's owned by disney when you have millions and millions and millions of dollars to throw at this you can make just about anything work pretty well right but you know you look at examples like the um the universal like monster universe that they've been trying to kick off for years and years and years with mm-hmm. the mummy and they were trying to do it yeah yeah, yeah. like and it just <laughs> it just doesn't work all the time right i would actually really like to see an attempt at that that's in like a totally mundane 
genre of film like i want to have like the romantic comedy uh like expended universe right like a group of friends and every single one of them has the same type of weird serendipitous encounter and they're always just coming back being like how does this shit keep happening to all of us you know Um, like isn't that weird sim spoiler alert it's called the hallmark channel (laughs) (laughs) well i'm uh a host a co-host of another podcast called comic book keepers and we talk about comic book characters every episode and my, mm-hmm. my co-host Lance and I, and we just did one on Optimus Prime, and we were talking about the Transformers movies and the sort of success slash not, you know, frustration of, of those. And <laughs> yeah. as, as a Transformers kid from the 80s and how we were like, you know, I mean, like they keep making these sequels and, and they're they're kind of they hit little bits of it but then like other parts of the movie are not great but then Mm -hmm. like the bumblebee movie came out and then they had this great scene at the beginning where it was like just the transformers there weren't any humans there weren't any annoying you know character actor humans that were mucking up the story and they just had this beginning (laughs) part which was on cybertron this is getting really nerdy by the way but (laughs) no that's cool but it was but it was really good it was like you you had all of these transformers talking to each other and it was like that's the movie that i want to see is the car is the is the vehicles and these characters um Mm -hmm. and and maybe a human every once in a while but not about the humans that occasionally talk to robots well we also just mentioned like that transformers crossing over with the fast and the furious franchise would be great because then oh, you'd have like boy you know that would be uh, optimus prime and dom toretto and be like we got to work together it's like <laughs> yes i think we should and you know, uh, that even isn't a far cry from something they would do no, i honestly. feel like even though like the transformers franchise at least what it was it feels kind of like that's sort of done yeah um yeah. where fast and furious is going to go on until we're all like dirt <laughs> in the ground um but i would not put it past them to like do crossovers and I, I would love that i think that'd be super cool but uh, you fucking cowards in hollywood you better step up okay come on let's do it no that's gonna be keep so going cool. until yeah. fast and furious 22 old and slow yeah. and grumpy <laughs> yeah, exactly. Slow well, by then they just do the worst thing where they just keep recasting and they bring in new actors oh, yeah. every 10 yeah. years. Yeah. And they're like, exactly. ah, I'm the great, great grandson of Vince Vaughn. And uh, <laughs> I like to drive cars, too. I mean, Paul Walker died like during filming and they still had him in significant portions of that film where he died by just using, you know, his twin or whatever. And by the time that's even relevant to get rid you know, by the time Vin Diesel dies, we're all going to be digitized anyway. They can yeah. just, you know, put any actor in a motion capture suit and mm-hmm. then put Vin Diesel skin all over them. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, should we, uh, should we head into our yeah, topic is- <laughs> of discussion? <laughs> what a strange diversion uh, that, <laughs> that we've gone on here. I, I think this is a good time. Yeah, to, to jump on over into the actual topic, which, again, as we said, is eccentric shopkeepers. So we've got a couple of great examples, I think, of of weird and fun eccentric shopkeepers from throughout the pop culture verse. But I think we should kick it over to you guys, our esteemed guests, and see if there's anybody that you guys are going to be drawing inspiration from as we are creating ourselves this week. Hmm. <laughs> did, did we catch you off guard? <laughs> I had to think. My inspiration for like suggesting eccentric shopkeepers is a character. So one of my like improv tips for DMs is to how to create a memorable character is just like when you have to like generate an NPC on the fly, just fully like lean into the archetype because you just need like generic guard or generic, you know, noble or whatever. I say mm-hmm. just fully lean into exactly what comes to mind and then give them one weird character trait 
that just doesn't match your expectations for that at all. Yeah. And that will usually mesh up into a super interesting, unexpected, memorable character. And so this is my concept for this is something that I created off the top of my head in as an example at one time. And I really liked it, but I've never actually put it into a game. And so I figured, like, we'll create that character. And so my example that I was explaining was, okay, your your characters need a blacksmith. Um, and so you walk in totally, absolutely what you imagine for a blacksmith, blacksmith shop, a big guy, maybe a dwarf, big beard, heavy apron so that molten metal doesn't burn him and big muscles. And there's... Uh, uh, the anvils and uh, all the blacksmith stuff, things are hanging, and that's all exactly as you imagine. And then also behind the counter, there's what appears to be a full set of Beanie Babies. Nice. <laughs> and maybe actually, like, they're very, like, nicely, like, displayed, and there's very noticeably one that's missing. So it's like a full oh. set except Ooh. for one. And that you just drop that on the characters, and then, like, they go about their business, whether they completely ignore that, which would be really hard to ignore, <laughs> and asking to repair their armor. You just go from there. See, I think my favorite thing about that is not only just being like, okay, here's this collection, but that little detail of one is clearly missing. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. the conversation starter. Yeah. I mean, that's your next four sessions of play right there, basically, right? right? <laughs> yeah. I like to think of the, you know, I love the idea of a blacksmith who, you know, they're the most well-renowned magical smith in all the land. Kings and queens come from afar to have them, you know, create the, the most elaborate and, and beautiful armor and weapons for them, right? But the most skillful thing that he's ever done is like the case that he keeps his beanie babies in, you know, <laughs> yes. like it would like the secret of, uh, you know, forging pride. like materials. No one else has ever been able to forge. And he used it to make a little glass case to put his beanie babies in. Right? Very nice. You got to keep love. this important safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Makes Kurt- me think of um, in the guardians of the galaxy, when they go to that little shopkeeper and Yondu's asking about the little, uh, figurines yeah that he likes yeah. to put on his console the little troll uh <laughs> troll dolls or whatever yeah well he's not looking at they? the troll dolls that's given to him by yeah, well, starler whatever. but yeah <laughs> along those yeah. lines <laughs> <laughs> chris have you got anything that you're trying to pull from here yeah i was uh, well because i was thinking about it and for me i i taking a step back i think when you're talking about shopkeeper creation there, there's a dm section there's a dm side of it where you have to think about how am i going to play this and then there's also the the character description because the the some dms might not be able to do crazy voices or they might not be able to do you know if you're just doing audio or, or if you're doing it in person or something maybe you don't have a visual you know for what this character looks like and sometimes you have a module that says like this is exactly what this person looks like but then it's still up to you to come up with what they sound like so um, yeah. if you're mm-hmm. if you're coming up with something on the fly i'd say just uh, approach it from a voice like I, I like to do stuff very much voice based which works out yeah. for the podcast okay. really well and, <laughs> and, and I, um, for me because I try to uh, differentiate it by you know if if so you guys give me something right now that's like a, a, a type of shop that you would walk into like what are they selling haberdashery Ooh, good call. okay so haberdashery so so you would think okay the type of person that would be selling this um, what your stereotypical haberdashery person, maybe like upscale, maybe refined, 
you know, British accent, you know, something a little bit like a welcome, welcome. You know, that that's what you would expect. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go polar opposite of that. And then, you know, you walk in and then so polar opposite of like upscale refined is like seedy, spitting, grumbly. You know, yeah, okay. I was gonna say um, like a uh, uh, deep South Louisiana. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. hey, well, welcome to Jack's Hatch. You know, hey, well, go Jack's ahead and go, <laughs> go ahead and pick something for Jack's Hatch. Uh, my name's Jack. Uh, my name's Benny. Jack isn't here today, but uh, you know, take a look around. We got all kinds of hats. You know, and, and so it's not what you would expect because they're like, what? This is the habitat. And uh, but the other thing is, I like it when when if you have a shop like an NPC uh, recommends like, oh, you should go to this inn or you should go to this place because this is the best place to get these potions. When something is recommended, um, I think Jeff uh, DM'd season, but co-DM'd season three and he had a really good mm-hmm. example of this, which was Phil's fish bucket. So we were recommended, <laughs> we were like, we asked another character, another NPC that Zach was playing um, was like, we need a bag of holding. Or I was like, if we're going into town, we'd like a bag of holding because I lost mine or something. And and they were like, oh, you should see Phil's fish bucket. He's kind of like a friend. And we went into this place <laughs> and it was like a fish chum. It is it a, a coastal uh, town. So we went to this place and it was like a kind of a grubby looking fish place. And this guy's like, hey, we'll go to Phil's fish bucket. And we're like, is this where you sell like equipment? <laughs> and and after we kind of... <laughs> proved ourselves. this illusion kind of went away and he changed and his shopkeeper assistant changed and it became this like fancy magical shop so it was sort of like a Ooh. it was sort of like a front you know for like and he's like welcome to phil's fish okay. like completely changed and so that was a really cool example of like oh it doesn't have to be what you think it is it could it could have like um what, what do you call like the uh the, the like a, like a glamour yeah, so like a, mm-hmm. like a glamour, like yeah. like when you go into um, a speakeasy or something, you know, it's like it's one thing, but then behind the behind the scenes, like this is the real Very shop. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. I, I, you know, I think actually that in a couple different directions that really works, right? Like one, if it was just kind of like a grubby, a grubby like bait shop, it would make sense that they would sell bags of holding because you could fit any size fish in it. You know sure. what I mean? Like <laughs> no matter how big the fish you catch or how many fish you catch, you just stuff them all into a yeah, tiny little pull bag. Pull a big like, whale out of there. Yeah, totally, totally. I um, once and got the a thing... fish so big it wouldn't fit in my bag of holding. <laughs> oh my <Exactly>. goodness. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, you know, the other thing is like, as as like an anti-theft deterrent too i think that it'd make a lot of sense if you are this shop that sells all of the the most expensive and rarest magical artifacts maybe you don't necessarily want to be advertising that to any anybody who just waltzes through the door you might want to kind of guard yourself a little bit more and have like um you know in, in men in black when they go to Tony Shalhoub aliens yeah. uh, gun shop or whatever. And he flips the switch under the <laughs> yeah. table and then all the real merchandise like is on the opposite side of these rotating kind of panels on the wall. Like that, that's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting gimmick, I think, for a shop as well. I hadn't even thought of Tony Shalhoub, the weird alien uh, <laughs> from, from Men in Black as a source of inspiration, but I think that's great. But now you have one. Yeah. <laughs> the idea for Phil's fish bucket actually came out of one of those session zeros Chris was talking about earlier. We, we recorded a session zero going into season three and one of the things i think chris and jen our other performer said was well we didn't really get to shop in season one we have some like treasure but we didn't get to buy things and i was totally absolutely not going to give them a thing to anything to shop for in season three all right yeah fine instead of 
starting in this other way, like they can start in a town. And then I was kind of thinking like, I don't really want to create a whole town. Like I definitely had a block for <laughs> having to create like an economy and shopkeepers and stuff. And that led me to Jeff actually wasn't going to be in the beginning of the season. So I talked to him about basically the conversation came into, do you want to be this town? And when the players are in this <laughs> little town, basically you are the DM and I'll kind I of like, like co-DM. And that turned into all sorts of just magnificent business shopkeepers, characters. <laughs> and one of those ended up being Phil's fish bucket. And that was definitely a thing where like a lot of things you asked also earlier, do I like take player ideas? And for sure, like whatever I was planning at the beginning of season three was not anything like <laughs> how season three ended up. Cause I definitely plan out pretty clearly how this particular episode we're recording needs to go. And yeah. with a vague idea of what the next episode should be. So it's like set up and pointed in the right direction. But I try not to like really super firmly plan too much beyond that like there's kind of the big pieces of like this is the big bad and this is what's going on but yeah for sure i have no idea what i was thinking really now in retrospect at the beginning <laughs> of season three but it didn't involve <laughs> phil's fish bucket it didn't involve that whole town which became very very central to the plot and that was all like collaboration <laughs> with jeff and collaboration with how the players interacted with those characters that i didn't know were coming because he didn't lay out for me like this is all the stuff i'm gonna do he just said okay yeah. i got it and that led to all sorts of awesome magical stuff like and you and i and you and i zach had a had a really fun because he also played this we had some downtime where zach was playing a character named uh uh shoot what's her name oh in the market (laughs) sindel yeah yeah Yeah, sindel you were sindel and i was gravely and and we were just like shopping around and and we were like, oh, is there like a farmer's market? I, I casually mentioned. He's like, yeah, yeah, they're so they're selling some things like you're selling grapes and almonds. And I was like, oh, well, and, and <laughs> Jeff's like, oh, almonds, almonds. You want some almonds? And he was saying almonds funny. <laughs> and we we're like, what are you selling? He's like, almonds, almonds, like almonds. <laughs> we just kept on saying it was just this funny exchange. And and Sindel is a like Phoenix powered like you know she has firepower and whatnot so so we're like would you want um how do you feel about roasted almonds and so she ended up like roasting (laughs) these almonds and we were like yeah they're much better right like maybe we should go into business like 50 50 like you sell them (laughs) we'll roast them and (laughs) forget the direction we were going with this quest right we're becoming almond salesmen (laughs) (laughs) we're staying in this farmer's market for the rest of the campaign yeah you can't stop your tangent and 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 really having those bits like leaning into those bits are some of the best scenes in the podcast like when we just really lean into like this feels like a fun gimmick to play with for a little bit adding those details Mm -hmm. that like you didn't think you were going here but you are like turn into some (laughs) of the best stuff uh so it's funny um one of sam and i's favorite uh actual plays is uh campaign which is a star wars based uh, formerly star wars based yes now it's 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 something else but um that was one thing that was so charming about it is that they would have entire episodes where they would just get off on a tangent that usually involved either pedantic rule following yeah or, or shopping. Or shopping. Yeah. Shopping was the big one. And they, like, the store that stands out to me is that they would go to, um, they wanted to buy weapons, and there yeah. was a store called Guns, Guns, Guns. And then there was also <laughs> the store across the street, and it was Guns, 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 too. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, just like, it's not creative, but it's so funny because yeah. it's just basic. And yeah. so those were always the most entertaining 
things. Yeah, I, they have sort of this like magical ability to just, they clearly are so in tune with each other that they roll off each other really, really well with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really always uh really sad when i think about the fact that that show is over now <laughs> i know um, but i will take this opportunity to kind of jump into one of my first real yeah. uh examples which is um also from a sci-fi setting and uh uh that is watto uh as a very eccentric uh shopkeep yes the, mm. the weird blue flying junk store owner watto oh, sure. as much as <laughs> sam and i uh have no love for those star wars movies the, yeah. we do quote them constantly <laughs> and we're always talking about watto he's he has a place in our hearts the I, i'm so glad that the prequel trilogy exists not because I ever really have any we we tried rewatching him recently we're just like ah you know they're they're so funny they're so like memeable like we're always like quoting it or whatever maybe mm-hmm. we'll enjoy it if we watch it again it's <laughs> it was like torturous like trying it to force ourselves wasn't to watch that torturous for me it was bad yeah, but yeah. it was still very funny I, <laughs> I just thought they were boring more than anything else you know and yeah. like I love Star Wars but I remember watching uh, uh, watching through like the middle section of Attack of the Clones where there's like an hour and a half where literally just nothing happens yeah. basically yeah. like i don't know i think the it, acting is just pacing. like disappointing <laughs> yeah it's yeah. very strange because like i feel like that was before it was a regular thing for actors to spend their entire day on a green screen yeah uh, and so it, you can just tell that no one knows what they're looking at yeah. <laughs> and they're like they have no idea where they are and so it's just like god this is so flat it's, yeah, they're just it's saying so lines yeah but nonetheless, well, they also we say George Lucas's direction to the actors was really consisted of say that faster. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. <laughs> like there was no. He's so <laughs> very much at least at that point. Who knows what happened in the world in his life? But was so yeah. like his mind was so much in figuring out all the CGI that the notion of like really story directing writing not so much in the front, and yeah. that shows. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, clearly. Well, and, you know, clearly not really an actor's director either, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you want somebody who can kind of... I, I I would think that if I were an actor, I would want to be directed by another actor, somebody who can really understand how difficult it is to do that. And you yeah. don't really get the sense that there was a lot of, like, give and take there. No, definitely not. Yeah, But we got Watto uh, out of it. We got right? Watto, which I guess, <laughs> I, apart from just simply saying his name, I should talk about why I like him as an eccentric shopkeep. <laughs> I mean... First of all, I just like the idea of like going like in like either a fantasy or sci-fi setting of having like the person there being like an alien or an interesting fantasy race. Like, I just think that's kind of interesting the way he kind of flies around, you know, someone that you won't ever see anywhere else again, like even beyond like orcs or dwarves or elves or whatever, like you would see a shopkeeper and you you should go what the heck is that you know yeah yeah no i think it's really cool like it's clearly his space i mean he sells what he uh it's like like, a junk shop so So he's got parts for all kinds of different uh ships and things we see like broken robots and droids sitting around in the corners and stuff and i feel like the only guy that has a t-16 hyperdrive i can promise you that yeah exactly (laughs) i feel like that would be something that'd be kind of fun for um you know kind of shared world building and this is something that sam we've talked about this a lot that you do pretty well as a a dm is going into an eccentric shop and telling everybody like tell me one odd item that you see in this store and like just kind of elaborate or or interact with it kind of a thing yeah and i think that's really fun you could do that in that kind of a setting thank you yeah I, i like that you're I mean, you're totally right. Like, this is one of the easiest kind of settings to do something like that in because everybody's going to everybody's gonna have different things that they see, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that their characters would kind of be looking for that would stand out to them as a person or as, a, you know, as a PC. And so I, I love the idea of 
a room that's just completely full of plot hooks. You just have to, you know, just grab Ooh. one off the wall and like, you know, decide where you're going to go. Like with Cabin it. in yeah. the Woods, but for shopkeeping. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. 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 <laughs> I love that. that uh, I, I, I thought of, I thought of a, Real quick, <laughs> I thought of an yeah. inspiration because I I didn't I was like oh I didn't know we had to have like movie inspirations or, or story inspirations but I did think of one so um if you ever watched Buffy, uh the uh-huh. TV show um mm-hmm. a- around season four the character of Giles teams up with Anya uh, I think it's, it's season four season five and they run a magic shop. And it's called the Magic oh, cool. Box. Okay. And Anya is a former demon who is now trapped in a human body. And Giles is a watcher who trains Buffy. And you know, but they were like, "Hey, we're gonna make this magic shop." And so Anya is sort of like the she's trying to learn how to be human. And so people come in the shop, and she's like, "Yes, it's great. You should buy it. Give me money, and you should buy it." <laughs> <laughs> it's just very like, no, this is when you give me money. In fact, buy all of them. And. And Giles is this kind of quintessential British, like, oh, oh, yes, let me tell you the history of this uh, sort of thing. <laughs> um, so I, I <laughs> totally. like those kind of like the really pushy co-owner, like the, like two people yeah. that that argue about their sort of selling techniques. And <laughs> one of them that's like just really excited about money. And uh, th- that was that was uh, I like that kind of idea. That's cool. And also what stands out to me about that, too, I have not watched um, Buffy. I've seen like parts of it on TV now and then. But what I liked about how you described her is that she's learning how to be human. I feel like working in an environment where a lot of humans are going to come in and you can kind of observe them and sort of Mm. learn their behaviors. That's a cool opportunity for growth for a character. Yeah, I honestly I think that is kind of like a natural like retail is hellish right like it's a terrible <laughs> perfect terrible, for a demon yeah exactly it, it <laughs> makes perfect sense that if a demon is going to be trapped on this plane of existence they'd end up working a retail job because they'd fit right in oh my god yeah. <laughs> i mean it, far far be it from giving a uh your shopkeeper some motivation outside of running a shop like it's it's yeah. you go usually go into a shop and it's like yeah what can i help you with but like what if you find out that they they really just want to be you know, perform at the the local tavern on Saturdays and they just haven't been able to get their break. And it's a classic waitress scenario. It's like, someday I'm going to get out of this magic shop and I'm going to go to the big city. You'll see. And they're like, yeah, shut up. Keep pushing that broom. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I love that. Um, You know, my... I will be mayor. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I I really wanted to talk about... So I mentioned earlier kind of the idea of shopkeepers as... um, Or or merchants as kind of travelers. Like they could, you know, in addition to selling their wares, they're they're bringing like information from far off places, right? They would be these kind of great storytellers because they've seen all these different things from all over the world. And I think an interesting example of that... Uh, that that I thought of was at the beginning of Aladdin, the little shopkeep that oh, Robin yeah. Williams is, that, that's kind of telling you this story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's clearly kind of like a grifter, you know, he's just got all kinds of like junk in his shop and he'll, you know, he'll tell you that something is, you know, it's it's a magic cure-all, you know, they're kind of a snake oil salesman, whatever mm-hmm. they pick up, oh no, this is the perfect thing for you. You know, whatever problem you have, I've got the thing for it, right? And they could be someone that, you know, easily could be sort of like a a, a focal, a, a, a nexus for mm-hmm. a lot of the different adventures that your party kind of goes on. You know, every time you see this 
this merchant, you can say, that, oh, hey, get, we, we did that last job and it worked out really well for us. What's another, you know, mystic artifact that's out there in the world that you've heard tales of? We want to go to the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, one thing I like about that, too, is that most of his stuff is junk, but he does have the lamp. So he's yeah, got like that yeah. one, like, actually valuable thing yeah. amongst all his other, like, little random knickknacks that he's peddling. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and you only need the one. Yeah. To, you know, to, to be a main character <laughs> it actually makes me think we did a, a kind of one shot with uh, some of our other um D twitter friends and um it was jared was dming that uh jared from monsters and multi-class yeah. and uh he had us run into a guy settling selling wares on the on the road and some of the items he was selling were magical and some were just random junk yeah but um because every member of the party ended up buying something the last guy's like well i guess i have to buy something too and the only thing left was like a colander <laughs> and so he like wore it as a hat and then that kind of led to this whole other plot point of like oh well we all have to have hats yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, it was like a, just a separate thing that came from it. But <laughs> the colander hat was a good one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these are these are some good sort of foundational ideas yeah. that we have here. I think maybe we should jump on into the creation phase, Let's and do and it. I think maybe a good way to do this is Piper. Maybe you and I can collaborate on one shopkeeper, and oh. uh, Zach and Chris. Maybe the two of you can kind of collaborate on a shopkeeper in the spirit of collaborative storytelling here i think well, that right. maybe would be a good way to sort of roll all of this conversation into one neat little little package mm. okay sure. so i like that approach um i have conjured four words Ooh, okay so maybe i should give you guys two words and then you can use those in the joint creation yes and okay. then we'll get two words yeah yeah absolutely so yeah why don't you guys kick it off here piper what are the words you've got for our guests um so you guys the words that you will be working with today are the words frame and river. Ooh, okay. I like these. Any any first thoughts? Yeah, whatever mm-hmm. whatever pops to mind here. What do you got? Uh, frame makes me think of a uh, uh, a portraiture uh, salesman, like somebody that sells uh, <laughs> like like antiques, um, antique kind of portrait frames um, or, or picture frames, uh, but. But they take you places, a la like Mary Poppins, like Bert, you know, oh, like cool. going into the thing. Mm. Um, but 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 it's only that's that's an unlockable ability. It's like it's <laughs> that's like oh, it's a great picture, it's a great portrait, and there's all these classic frames. But some but if you know how to unlock them, they'll actually take you to the place that it's showing. So it's almost like a like they can sell they can they can sell you a, a teleport or like a teleport circle. Ooh, yeah cool maybe you also have to have like anything that you put the frame around becomes like a thing you can interact with right but you have to be the the frame like takes damage or something as you as you as it's like making things real so you have to like be maintaining this frame like fixing it up and repainting it and mm-hmm. you know kind of rebuilding it constantly or something like that some kind of a mechanic that gives it like a limited use I'm yeah. now just imagining if you put that frame over a mirror and then you could like jump into like a mirror universe Ooh, of yourself. Sure. Classic uh, Star Trek and everyone's got evil mustaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then River like uh, River makes me think of like maybe he's on a like a riverboat, like pontoon boat or something. And like it's a it's a, like a, f- a, a floating shop, like very, oh, cool. uh, very like Southeast Asian kind of like, Ooh. you know, hey, come on my on my mobile ship and that way maybe like <laughs> teleportation in this part of the country is is not allowed or something or magic is is outlawed and he's like just trying to stay mobile and 
Well, he can he can operate if he's uh, in international waters. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. He's in international <laughs> waters. He's like, I have diplomatic immunity. You can't get me. <laughs> he's just like in a little puddle. He's like, you can't touch me here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the I notion of frames like going on something to make it look nicer, I feel like is an interesting maybe thing to work okay. with as like a magical quality. So maybe it's like. Frames can create a portal to somewhere, but you got to start with an actual object. And if you frame kind of like a mundane object with this magical frame, then you can transport to somewhere that is like inspired by that object or something along those lines. Yeah, okay. Frames okay. are a weird thing. I'm definitely the kind of person who just like tapes up posters instead of putting <laughs> yeah. them in nice frames. And I probably about 15 years ago should have invested in more frames, so. <laughs> I think the, playing with the, that concept the object it can be a mundane object but it has to be from the location that you want to transport to oh yeah there you go yeah <laughs> i like that yeah it's funny like i'm kind of i feel like this would have been a good prompt for me to have because my job is literally so running a shop that makes frames <laughs> like yeah I run, I run a saw room and we like construct frames for fine nope. art printing uh, you're in too deep printing company yeah, yeah, exactly. Too invested, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do like this, though. I, I mean, the first, I actually didn't even think of that. Like, I thought of, like, a frame job, you know? Like, you're mm -hmm. you're framing somebody for a crime or something like that. But I think that, I love the idea of this artifact that, you know, say you're hungry, you can draw a picture of an apple, and then you frame it, and then you can grab the apple out of that picture and eat it or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So um, since the topic is uh, eccentric shop keeps, uh, yeah. how about you guys tell us a bit more about the person who runs this boat? Is yes. it one person? Is it multiple people? Um, like, what? who do you think this person is that makes magic yeah. frames? Are they from one of the portals or something from, from some portal place? And they ended up here because of shenanigans with this frame? Who knows? Hmm. So, the first thing that comes to mind in kind of like just trying to answer that question is, is if this person kind of like good or good or not so good like is this person using the kind of like power of these frames to like smuggle people to you know <laughs> help people escape bad bad situations or things like that or are they more just yeah. like out for profit out for like they don't really kind of care about the chaos or the reverse of that i'm definitely gravitated yeah. towards like it's a little like it's a little like floating rebellion sort of like we're gonna smuggle people out of out of bad situations yeah. or into where they need to be using these like secret frames. I like that. I really like that should be the name of the ship is floating rebellion. I think that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of maybe, you know, it, it's a family owned business and his dad or mom or something went into one of these pictures, but hasn't come back. And, and there's like a thousand little pictures or like frames or whatever. They're just all like stacked vertically. And he's like, I'm trying to remember where they went. They said they were going to get something and they haven't come back. And then he basically is like trying to get these customers to be like, yeah, if you want to try it out, that's fine. Also, if you see an old man, <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, just because, because there's one that, you know, might have ill effects or whatever. Or they, every every third yeah. one might take you to a different place or doesn't let you come back or something. 
you don't want to go into like a Hieronymus Bosch painting, you know? Yeah. And see some, <laughs> yeah, like hellish, like weird nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I wonder, does this person, do they keep like a big bundle of ropes you can tie it around your waist when you step into the portrait and hopefully <laughs> yeah. you can come back, but maybe <laughs> the rope oh, gets let severed. Me, let me like, anchor oh, you. What's this for? It's just in case you, uh, it, just in case the gravitational, it's it's a subspace thing. Just, uh, I'm going to pull, you know, and just make sure you can pull back. <laughs> <laughs> Although I need you to sign this waiver because if you can't return, that's not my fault. Yeah. That yeah. is a, a really interesting kind of origin though for this, this shopkeep that maybe when they made the first you know frame here they that that can transport you between realms or you know or whatever specifically it actually does uh they assembled this frame and someone that they really care about happened to be nearby and you know you know you like hold up the frame to kind of see oh how does it look with a portrait in it you just look at a person through the frame and then when they put the frame down they were gone Mm -hmm. they were transported accidentally by this and now like it's they don't know where they went yeah like it's an artificer any discovered teleportation circles and he's like kind of like tony stark he's like we can make this arc reactor smaller like so he's i can make it out of these weird things but then somebody that he loved went through it and now he's like no i'm vowing i'm not making any new ones but i've already made like 300 and they're somewhere in one of these so now i'm just going to sell the ones i don't need to to get research to try to find the person that i that i love yeah (laughs) cool yeah yeah i I think that's cool constantly on this quest to undo the well and that's kind of an interesting sort of moral conundrum too is like if this technology has caused them so much grief like you know how do they justify potentially introducing that grief into someone else's life right these are kind Mm -hmm. of dangerous you know these are like like distributing like nuclear warheads all you know all across the (laughs) land right like just letting anybody come into your shop and buy one when the consequences of using it irresponsibly could be quite dire it's mm-hmm. like he feels he feels his own guilt, but he doesn't have any problem giving away um, <laughs> or he's like maybe over just the moral implications of like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the one place if you want to go there. You can have this, you know, you can buy this painting. I'm just trying to find sure. I'm, I'm trying to find one particular one, but I don't know which one it is. I, love I mean, that. that's a more interesting yeah. character that's fueled by this. Like, I want to find my lost parents. And yeah. so like it's not like if if that person can assist on somebody's like a good Good intentions, great, and they were also trying to angle them towards like what might help with the parent quest. But also, if somebody really scummy comes in and is clearly trying to use <laughs> frames for evil, the person has no problem with channeling towards like or it's a, exactly it's their where kid. they want them to help. They should they should yeah. be trying to find their kid, like their their yeah ten year old son. You know, ran into one of the of paintings sense. and he yeah. and they don't know. And he's like, don't run into the paintings. Then he actually goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, he fe- now he feels terrible because, you know, th- he lost their kid. That's you know always my every day, though, I think about this, Zach, is don't make frames for evil. You know, that's something that I'm constantly having to grapple with is if, if a bad guy walks in. No, I'm not going to frame anything for you. Yeah. You know what? I have a thought because I've been thinking about this whole uh, like if people go into the painting and he's just asking, like, if you see this person, let me know. They'd have to come back or whatever. Maybe the way these frames work is that only one person can enter it at a time. So if someone goes in, it would automatically kick out someone else who is inside. So maybe that's why he's trying to get people to go into the paintings, because if someone goes in, his son will get spat back out if he's in there. 
um some that's just another thought of like kind of why he's like peddling these things he's like quick go into this frame you know it might shoot out his his son if it's inside this whole concept really reminds me a lot of uh zach and chris did either of you play any of the mist games back in the day oh i played the first one like when like a long time ago when yeah. it first came out. Yeah. yeah like in like 1994 or whatever yeah, yeah. when it came out yeah. so for anyone listening who's not familiar with them i'm sure i've talked about the mist series on the podcast before but basically there's this guy uh named atris who he can write books that essentially you can you can write about a world and then jump into the book and go play around in that world right um and his sons cirrus and akinar are they're kind of like I think it's that they're like jealous of his power or something like that. He won't give it to them and they trap him in one of his own books. And that's mm-hmm. basically the, and they, and they tear out all the pages. And that's kind of the story of the game is you have to go and find all these pages so you can reassemble his book so he can get out of it. Right. Um, it just is making me, th- that feels like a very kind of similar concept um, yeah. to me. I, I like that, that there's, you know, maybe that could be kind of an angle we go with this as well, that the frame that his, son or his you know his long lost love or his parent or whoever is trapped in maybe it was this like you know elaborate jewel encrusted frame and they can't get out until he finds all the jewels that fell out of the frame when they Mm -hmm. went into it or something you know they have to you know put all these emeralds back in and all these like dragon's pearls and all that stuff before that they can be before they can be untrapped and so that's why they would sort of employ these adventurers because you can go out and get these things you know you see you know, fantastical riches and gems and things like that every day. It's just right part and parcel for being an adventurer. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of options. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This definitely feels like the core of like a a campaign. Like very much like the the Candlekeep book that just came out where basically it's a bunch yeah. of one shots that you're each started by a book. Like I think there's a whole bunch of pictures and you it looks like you know what that picture is going to be like clearly this is happening in this picture this guy looks like he's proposing to this woman and so it'll probably be like a nice wedding or whatever and then every time somebody goes into them it turns out to be like not at all what you expect and what's like yeah. just out of frame and what's going on and the complications <laughs> are very much like not at all what you were expecting to step into I like that kind of a cursed monkey's paw. Yeah. Thing. yeah, weird how many how many pictures have uh, eldritch horrors just out of shot, just out of, just out of frame. Yeah, it's very strange. It's like what a rude photographer, yes. always cropping out the monsters yeah. that are waiting to beat you up as soon as you get in. Absolutely. Um, should we do a little bit of creation uh, on yeah. our side? Yeah. What are our prompts you got for us here, Piper? All right. So we'll love the first one. Okay. Because um, our first word is ducks. Ducks. Excellent. Hooray. I'm looking at a picture of a duck hanging right behind you on my wall right now wow. uh, and our second word is shaky oh that's no. excellent okay um, shaky ducks shaky, shaky ducks, ducks. Poor, I, poor like parkinson's ducks i like the idea because i was talking about when i mentioned um you know watto and like interesting shopkeepers <laughs> i like the idea that this is a store like run by ducks okay i um, am in love already. so when you walk into the store you see all these ducks walking around and there's one up on the on the table and it's got its little webbed feet on this like book and you're like oh my gosh where is the shopkeep and the duck looks up at you and he's like i'm i'm the shopkeep yeah like, can I help you? <laughs> you know, there was a book that I loved as a kid. Um, I think it was just called Ducks Cute. by this uh, this author named Daniel Pinkwater. And he you was, would love that book. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, <laughs> it all had to start somewhere, right? But he was this really weird, eccentric author that my mom hated him. My mom was just like, these books are so goddamn weird. I don't know what's going on. But 
the book Ducks was about this guy who he he found a duck and it turned out this duck was from like duck heaven and the duck like what? pulls him up into the clouds in a chariot and he like meets a bunch of other well, that like great cool. celestial ducks or something. Yeah, but it's this really weird, crude, like splotchy watercolor art. Huh. It, it was yeah. very, very strange. I loved Daniel Pinkwater. Interesting. Um, he had a bunch of other books, but that's the only one that I that I that I read as a kid. But that's the only one that I really remember. I mean, Duck Heaven sounds Duck pretty rad Heaven for you. Does sound pretty rad. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Sam, regardless of whatever these ducks are selling or peddling, yeah. I, think I I'm buying. I don't they, care what it well, is. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think they receive their payment has one. to be like. bread they have they ask for bread yes of course and breadcrumbs although you're not supposed to feed bread to ducks it's actually bad for the ducks well i think these ducks don't care (laughs) i think these nobody gives me bread anymore man come on so good the the political agenda is telling people that we don't like bread but we do and i want it and that's what i demand is payment all i want is a goddamn breadstick it's been years (laughs) they kicked me out of the olive garden i can't get breadsticks anymore oh my god he's like my membership card Um, okay, I do so wait, so like there's ducks idea. everywhere in this shot, but only one of them. Like my, from what I heard you saying is there's a bunch of ducks and one of them can talk. I don't know, what I'm envisioning <laughs> is this like it's operated by this like duck collective, but only one of them has like powers <laughs> is like polymorph oh to speak common, so it has to like consult with everybody before it's, it will make. So it's like a hive mentality <laughs> yeah. for these ducks. Yeah. Yes. Let's have a meeting. Like, so one of one of them one of them was true polymorphed into a duck, but but cursed to only uh, communicate through telepathy by like a by a hag or something like that. Like you're gonna live the yeah. rest of your days as a duck. <laughs> but it, but he was also the the best bartender in the town, and that's why he has to shake martinis. Um, <laughs> I really like this. I, okay, so maybe that gives us our answer of what they're selling. Maybe it's a liquor store. Yeah, it's a duck bartender. Oh my god, this is literally the Sam's heaven. This is my heaven. Yeah, I, <laughs> a duck liquor store. Piper, if you see any hags, could you please ask them if they can turn me into a duck so I can run a liquor store? Because this is how I want to be. Uh, this is how I want the rest of my life to go. <laughs> what if what if the if, the other ducks? are actual just real ducks and they just came in because they see this other duck <laughs> yeah like, yeah oh, exactly oh this exactly. is this where we're hanging out and he's like what are all these other ducks are, do, can they talk to you <laughs> no no they're just actual ducks they just came in here because they saw me and i keep yeah. trying to get them to <laughs> he's leave like, they won't go away but you yes. know what i kind of like them they're fun yeah. <laughs> they're good friends and he's like eh, that's a good one jerry and he's like you yeah. can't understand he said it in duck <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i imagine there's a lot of um have you seen that video where the the one that you showed me, Piper, it's called like ducks, ducks going peas. ham on a bowl of peas or yeah. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just apparently peas are if you do want to. So quick disclaimer for our listeners here. Genuinely, don't feed bread to ducks. It's bad for the ducks. If you do want to find something to feed ducks, feed them peas because they can eat peas and they make an adorable noise when they do it. <laughs> well, at least if they're floating yeah, in a bowl full of water. If they're floating in a bowl full of water, yeah. There's <laughs> this video where this person has a bowl full of peas and they, you know, it's just like a short little phone, cell phone video or whatever. They bend down and a bunch of ducks from off in the distance just start like full on duck sprinting towards these peas and they get up there and go... 
it's That's just a really like good a impression of the great, sound yeah it's, it's <laughs> like it's so funny it's like a violent feasting it's like a, like a like a feeding frenzy of ducks basically it's so funny dude um okay so we've got our our liquor store yes. i also have to say i think in the back of the shop uh that's where they brew um like the beer or they like age yeah. the wines yeah, they've okay. got these big like uh barrels and casks and like things it. and there's like cute little ducks like waddling around and they're like picking up little like mouthfuls of barley and throwing it in uh and there's another duck and he's got like a big stick in his beak and he's stirring it around well i feel like <laughs> they would just they would just swim around in it oh, in circles to like a little dirty it. but well okay <laughs> they take a they take a little duck shower first i was gonna say you don't want to drink it if you know how they make it <laughs> I, I would yeah i guess right? they're wearing little um, booties around their like webbed feet you know, yeah cute Okay, so real. I talk, feel like relevant guys... to this process is just that the way ducks drink by like putting their bill in the water and like I don't know yeah. splashing water and then like sticking their head straight up and doing the <laughs> kind of thing. So like <laughs> yes. a bunch of ducks like lined up at a bar drinking whiskey or whatever, but they're all doing it that way. Like I need that visual somewhere. Incredible! I, I love really, it. I really, really like it. There's I, definitely a tasting bar here I at the store. Feel like there would also be a lot of the you know this this human or orc or elf or whatever turned duck barkeeper would just be so you know over it right they'd be kind of just like ugh, like exhausted all the time but the one joy they get is <laughs> making stupid duck puns like every time somebody gets the receipt they're like all right here's your bill and then they just you know stare at you like waiting for you to laugh and they, you know just torturing all of the regulars in there they're just like ugh. but every time they make a joke all the ducks would be like like the ducks would love it right okay so i feel um, like they make the the duck bartender makes that silly pun and then all of the ducks in the bar stop at that moment and stare at the person in a super creepy way <laughs> until they react as if like oh, <laughs> funny pun and then they all go yeah, right, right. and back oh, to God, this so yeah. Good. yeah if you don't tip big they keep staring at you too yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't tip well yeah uh, the, so the creepiness the of a whole flock of ducks all of a sudden going silent <laughs> and staring at me like uh Thanks. So we yeah. actually, um, my my dad and I, for a couple years, every summer we would raise baby ducks. Um, we basically what we would do is we would you would buy them in like April or May, and then we would raise them for the summer. And then we knew a guy who had a farm up. You know, we have no guy who has a farm up in like northern Minnesota that they would either fly away or they would go to live on that farm. And we just did that for like four or five years. And I, you know we kind of became known my dad did at least as sort of like the duck guy he drives a school bus so all the kids on his bus were always like can we come see the ducks we want to come see the ducks right and i was like exactly the same way like i would you know i I probably spent more time back at my parents place because because of the ducks ducks, that you know than anything (laughs) else i'd go back down to go visit them and see the ducks but the if you've never experienced the feeling of a baby duck walking on your bare skin, <laughs> like walking up and down your arm with their actually delightfully soft little duck uh, uh, flippers. It's it's really nice. It's a really cute and like fuzzy, this, like cuddly, this warm. Explains feeling. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So another visual that I'm going to throw in real quick before we tackle our last word um, is so with this whole idea, right, that the guy was turned into a duck and all these ducks just hang out with him. um, (laughs) So when he at at night, when he closes up his shop and and locks everything up and then he waddles home, they all waddle single file behind him. It's a little march of the ducks. Yeah, I love it. I love it. There's Uh, like a little like marching band, like a little little flute sound cute he's like last call everybody and they're like and they all like march home 
pretty cute. I like that a lot. I liked it a lot. Okay, so Sam, how is Shaky involved? Shaky? Yeah. You know, um, oh, the first, okay, first thing that comes to mind for me is that maybe they they live in an area where like uh, earthquakes oh, are common, okay. and so like every now and then like the everything will kind of rumble, and he's like, "Quick, like it, it's sort of like in Mary Poppins, <laughs> secure all the bottles." Yeah, when <laughs> when the neighbor shoots off the cannon and they have to grab everything in the house, yeah, okay. like all the ducks have to quickly go over and like stand up against the glassware so they don't fall. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's just one thought. But. No, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I like that because it's not really like sad for the ducks. You know, it's kind of like oh, just like a funny thing that happens in the you know in the world, right? What I kind of thought of is how to make this into a quest right or how to somehow incentivize the the players to interact here i mean other than the fact that i mean the ducks are incentive enough right but right. um maybe this guy that was turned into a duck part of the spell is is that um you know he's trapped in this duck body but like his soul is like too big basically for it hmm. so over time he starts having these kind of like adverse like symptoms because his soul is trying to like get out but it oh, can't no, i don't want to picture a duck having a seizure no he's not having a seizure <laughs> that's, that's really sad i was gonna say he just kind of has like shaky hands or something like that like shaky he's, web yeah, feet. he's got like shaky web feet like he has like a little tick where he kind of like you know kicks because he's you know his his soul is trying to break free right <laughs> a duck seizure oh, why did you put that visual in my head because <laughs> you were going towards there <laughs> Um, maybe his quest is, uh, you come in and you're like, yo, I really need this like unique bottle of brandy, like the best, like cognac, 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 uh, in the land. Give it to me, duck bark tender. And he's like, you know what? You can have that. If you can, uh, go and find the hag and get the potion to turn me back into a, uh, an elf or an orc or whatever I was. Yeah. I can't even remember anymore, he says, as he stares at his <laughs> flippers. <laughs> how, wait, how... So he's sitting down, staring at his flippers? Because you just... <laughs> You just like <laughs> held your hands up in front of your face, like you know, you're like, oh my hands. He's looking but, at his wings. <laughs> yeah, like, but also just the idea of him sitting with his little duck feet sticking out <laughs> is very cute to me. I really like it a lot. No, I, I think that's a good idea. Is that the, you know, maybe the, um, maybe the the hag that turned him into a duck also just happens to make the best, yeah, the best brandy in all the town, and he's like, look, I. I oh, really should be brandy. selling their wares, right? <laughs> I should be selling something that they're they're brewing up, uh, or oh. maybe that maybe they have like an ingredient or something that he needs. Maybe that's what it is. But he is kind of like, I don't want to go talk to that old hag. She's Wait, always you know playing what? tricks on me. Sam, that works out really well because actually, interesting fun fact, guys. Maybe you know this. One of the origins for the way that witches look the way they do is because women who were brewers would often wear pointy hats. Um, oh. It was like a sales kind of technique to say, like, oh. if you want to know what I'm selling, you can identify me by the style of hat that I'm wearing. Okay. And so like, they- like that's with hats? Well, exactly. Yeah. That's honestly <laughs> where a lot of the stuff comes from is like the cauldrons they used for brewing the beer. They'd wear the pointy hats to be like, now you know what profession I'm in. Yeah. And they would have cats to keep rats away so they yeah. wouldn't like go and eat all of their supplies. Yeah. that's Yeah. It's like to your, your point, when you see a nun in a nun's hat, you know, that's a lady who's selling crosses. She's <laughs> You're selling, like, selling I can rosaries. buy my Bibles here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the witch should definitely be a brewer. Yeah. I, okay. That's a that's a really good idea. And so maybe you have to kind of, you know, they have like a tense relationship, right? Because she turned him into a duck for, maybe she turned him into a duck because he like reneged on some deal with her or something like that. Or he mm-hmm. tried to like swindle her out of something. Or maybe he just gave her bad 
you know, bad meat or something when bad he was yeast. a human still. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so he's like, I need to go between to go hang out with this hag now. And so every time you go, the hag has, you know, if you, if you go and buy, you know, whatever like magical ingredients you need before the hag will sell it to you, she sends you off on some you know, like task for her. And maybe it starts with, oh, you have to sweep the, sweep my basement for me. And then it evolves into, uh, you have to go and slay this dragon so I can take its heart and make it into a youth potion or something like that. (laughs) You know what? He totally stole her yeast stick. Yeah. Another thing for brewing. They like keep yeast on a little stick and he took it (laughs) and it cursed him to turn into a, a duck. And so that's the thing. It's like you find out in the end, he can break his own curse anytime he wants to if he just returns the yeast stick. Yeah. And he's like, no, I will die on this hill. I will be a duck forever. It's a good yeast stick. Yeah, yeah to make the best yeah. beer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. Getting I, into, I like into a whole subculture of like microbrewing that I think you're going to bring in some people that don't normally play D&D, <laughs> but if it's like a brewer's campaign and it has to do with oh my gosh. yeast absolutely. and witches and, and the brewing beer and like that's that's going to bring in a whole new demographic. That Dude, would yeah. be a, a subject for a campaign that I would be completely willing to do 400 hours of research into before <laughs> before yeah. I put pen to paper. Like, absolutely. And, and by research, would... I mean drink a shitload of beer. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. you you play it on site by going to breweries. Yes, and exactly. <laughs> that would, oh, my God. There was so much fun potential there. I really like that a lot. I'm really, st- I'm really still stuck on the like bar full of ducks and how much fun that is. And... <laughs> Some things I'm adding to it in my mind is like when you walk in, there's definitely some locals who are just like there amongst the ducks and it's so normal to them that they don't react (laughs) to it at all. And I think in getting directions to this place, all the locals are like that. So the locals will give like the players directions to the best brewery or whatever they're selling and totally not mention that it's filled with ducks. Right. Yeah, it's just normal. (laughs) Why would I mention that? We were talking about whiskey. Wait a second. Nobody mentioned this was a duck bar. (laughs) (laughs) Cute. I love this. It's like a cat cafe, right? Where you go and you can hang out with the cats, but it's little ducks. Yeah. Goat yoga. I feel like there's a market for that. Duckling breweries. (laughs) Oh, heck yeah. I feel like there is too this is really cool um is there anything that you guys want to go back and elaborate on in your world or are we feeling good about these creations yeah well i think about ours i think our character i mean i like to do a kind of a voice and a look so i mean like zach what what do you think he looks like like what what ancestry or would would be this frame framer artificer kind of guy or gal i don't know it can't be a duck you can't steal that i mean no 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 ducks too late (laughs) um (laughs) We didn't do that much with the river prompt, so I feel like maybe looks really kind of like laying into like sailor, maybe like sea elf, or um, Ooh, what are the other triton. kind of like yeah, triton, maybe a triton, uh, a water genasi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are the weird uh, ugly fish head guys or whatever? The, oh, uh, sagwayan. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, could be a um, like a frog person. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, a grung person. A kelpie, yeah. A kelpie, yeah. Maybe they have, maybe they have a water horse like, that like pulls that. their boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. The the frog person with like the big old eyes on the side, and just like yeah, mm. frogs are fun for like for <laughs> a, a, a business on a river, like a frog, an amphibian makes a lot of sense to me. 
And that yeah, like absolutely. you could potentially have like underwater customers and above land customers. Oh, you know. yeah. That's, they're not they're not cheating themselves out of half of their potential business by only operating on dry land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they should have a um like a glass bottom boat so that the yeah. uh, land faring tourists can look oh. down and see the business that's happening <laughs> under the water. <laughs> I like that. And it just it would be like when he's under the boat, he's maybe he has little um little like sticky shoes or whatever that he wears little suction cup shoes well, I bet his so feet are sticky well enough. yeah maybe so he just <laughs> literally just walks over the side of the boat and then yeah. down around the bottom and so he's just kind of walking around upside down working and with like, all the fish patrons. we mentioned you know he, he's sad or guilty about his missing now tadpole or, or whatever his tadpole oh, and, no. and, but but i like the idea <laughs> that it's it's a family business and there's like literally like 50 other tadpoles that are like 50 other like frog members and tadpoles that are like swimming around and he's like but one of them is gone and and you're like yeah but there's 50 other ones like well how dare you sir what if you lost a hand (laughs) oh my god i love that statistically speaking like sure one of them was gonna get lost you know if there's 50 of them and only one got lost and like only 2% of your kids were sucked into, a, you know, a, a nether portal. Like, sure. I mean, 98% success rate is pretty good, but you still lost a kid to a weird nether portal. <laughs> yeah. I like this um, a lot. So uh, do if you he's a picture... frog guy, um, he would probably <clears throat> kind of have like a bigger, uh, you know, neck region and kind of do that. <laughs> you know, so kind of going from that and like, maybe he's like, well, well, you know he's kind of got this uh bigger deeper like well well i've got a lot of picture frames you're kind of sticking out your lower jaw a little bit um you're you're inventing an exhausting way to play a character (laughs) a distinct difference between chris's seasons and my seasons are a lot of amazing voice work yeah And Chris will have multiple NPCs in a room sometimes, and they all have very distinctive accents, and you can totally follow who's who. And I'm like, I'm sorry, wow. I'm just never gonna do that. <laughs> I am That's not impressive. that good. <laughs> I, it, it's I, and, I do this to myself. It's not. I don't recommend. It. He will also help you out by drawing all of those characters and <laughs> yeah, releasing on course, the internet the art course. for all of them. Chris is very <laughs> impressive as a DM. Dude, awesome. You know, one of my. PCs right now is a frogman who uh, he's he's a part he's multi-class as a bard and fighter and basically his background is that he's kind of like a he's sort of like a blues singer right so when and I was trying to come up yeah and a former sheriff uh, of this little <laughs> swamp town who became a blues singer um, and as I was trying to come up with a voice for him I kind of had you know like a lot of these ideas I'm like oh give him like you know like a deep like kind of croaky like raspy voice and I did that for the first session and I was like I have to change this shit like I can't keep doing this like at the end of every single session I felt like I had like a terrible head cold like my throat throat. was like ragged yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, hats off to you you could also also just make him like he's always got a cold like you know just kind of talk nasally and uh, yeah. It's, it's sort of got that sort of a uh, flebby, mucusy, amphibian kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I like that. Well, I, uh, a while ago, I lost my tadpole in one of these frames, but <laughs> we've got a nice painting of a mountainous ridge if you're into that sort of thing. 
Wow, you're really selling that art. Depressed aren't you? about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like the saddest art dealer ever. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I like it. <laughs> okay, this is excellent. Uh, so, are are you picturing like uh, you know like a kind of our common green like spotted like leopard frogs or whatever, or are you seeing more like kind of a poison dart frog, like lots of bright colors, a little more like kind of spindly, like a tree frog kind of? Yeah, in the spirit of my three year old who recently saw an episode of some show that she watches where they talk about poison dart frogs. Hmm. We're going to go with poison dart frog. So like, (laughs) like small, small green base, (laughs) but then like kind of a red, you know, big red splotches and, and like big red eyes, you know? Um, But very thin, thin frame, really skinny arms and legs. Yeah. So question they look poisonous, are they? Like, if you touch this guy, will you get sick? Or can you touch him and hug him as much as you want? <laughs> I, yeah, I would say, well, that's kind of his own protection is, yeah, he's he's got a a poisonous, um, a poisonous kind of mucusy, you know, cover yeah. or something like that. You know, so if you touch him, it would, it would hurt. He's like, oh, no, 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 don't touch me. I, I, I wish I could. <laughs> I'm cursed because I cannot, I cannot make contact with anybody. Here, wait, um, wait, let me get the gloves on, and then he shakes your hand. Yeah. Hold on. Let me, uh, let me put I, on my protection. I actually, so try try this on for size here. I like the idea of, you know, they have this kind of poisonous, like, mucus that, that they secrete. Maybe they use that in their painting. Maybe they can, you know, they have all this, like, different colored skin. They have, like, a red patch on their arm that they can take a brush and grab some of that and then paint red on the canvas. So they've got a green spot on their other arm. They can, you know, brush some of that off and use that to paint. So maybe, maybe they have this kind of like magical, that's why the part of why these frames like work is because they have this magical mucus that can kind of stabilize the magic of the frame a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, or, I'm just dying because instead of, instead of poison, <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's a charm effect. Maybe that's, it's like a intoxicant where it's, it, it they have to make a wisdom save you know i'm thinking mechanically now it's like um if they touch him and he's okay with that it's sort of like if they fail the save then they're more inclined to be susceptible to like take suggestions like oh yeah, yeah i do okay. want to buy that so he's he's kind of manipulating people but but not in a yeah. Not in an evil way, but just like, well, you, I mean, you should buy this one if you could just hop into it really quick. Like he's like he's going through <laughs> the motions. Yeah, so that's that helps him out with his otherwise uh, depressing sales pitches. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he can still convince people to go in. He's just like actually a really terrible artist, but all of his all of his paintings give off noxious fumes that make people delirious and think the art is better than it really is. Yeah. Like, like his art isn't good; just all the people looking at it are just high all the time. <laughs> oh, so dang. I think it's great. <laughs> and he's he's an artificer, and it, and he makes art, and his name is Art. <laughs> perfect i like it very very good art's art is the art i'm I'm art the artificer artist (laughs) i like that a lot very nice uh well that's i think that's as good a place as any maybe to put a pin in that because i I don't know how we're gonna top that we gave him a name so uh (laughs) the hardest thing to do yeah yeah wait sam quick let's let's name our guy our our duck uh bartender slash uh huh chuck 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 the the duck duck. (laughs) okay great we did it chuck the duck and art the frog Yes, we did easy. It. Whew, all right, roll credits, everybody. We, we can, everybody, we can go home now. <laughs> uh, 
Um, Job well done. I I like these. I like that we ended up with two of my favorite animals uh, as the subject of this episode. So thank you two for helping bring that energy to us uh, this week. That's that's lovely. (laughs) Um, I I think now would be a, a good time for us to just maybe... Hop on over into hop like a duck or, yep. or hop hop like a frog or waddle yep. like a duck over into the say. rec room mm-hmm. uh, and talk about another, another yeah, another great <laughs> podcast yours. If you guys want to take another few minutes here just to kind of share with us what you're working on currently, what's upcoming with Knights of the Rolled Table, or if there's any other projects that you guys are working on you want to share, uh, yeah, please sure. do so. Um, well, we just finished season four of Knights of the Rolled Table. It was 13 episodes and we're going to be doing a our first battle royale with... Um, we're Ooh. actually bringing in a guest DM, David Armstrong, who we had on for our Humblewood one shot last year. And cool. he's going to be DMing. Um, all of the players are going to pick one of their characters that, that we've played. And we're going to have a, we're going to fight it out <laughs> just, just cool. to, you know, see what happens. <laughs> Level nine battle Royale. It'll be kind of fun. And, yeah. and then we're, and then I think, uh, uh, one of our players, Jen Stopper Crespo is, is DMing, a one shot. It's an in-world one shot, but it's sort of taking sort of a tangential thing. It has nothing to do with like the current story, but but with some of the characters that we've seen before. So it's a good way that we bring in guest players. Um, and then we're gonna start season five, which I'll be DMing um, in July. So that's Ooh, that's kind you of guys awesome. are busy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but lots of cool stuff. And where can our <laughs> listeners find all of that if they are so inclined to check you out on on the World Wide Web? Uh, where the Knights of the Roll Table podcast should be available wherever you listen to World Forge um, <laughs> to see uh, a lot of Chris's art from the characters and situations uh, at Roll Table on Instagram or joining mm-hmm. our Discord is a great place to visually check things out. And if you go to Roll Table on Twitter, you can see a link tree that has all of the links to various uh, like various uh, podcast hosts and, and uh, different art sources and things like that. Yeah, awesome. I would say and places we'll... to just places to start if you just want to like check out an episode and see if you're into it is certainly like we said before the beginning of any season should be a pretty decent hopping on point. Um, but there's also <laughs> been various frogs I know hops. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, and hops because ducks and brewery. Oh, oh my god! Oh, oh, his name is his name's got to be hops. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Okay. That's um, <laughs> amazing. One. Anyway, we've done a bunch of like one or two episode one shots throughout that are very much self-contained. And so listening to one of those, uh, Jen and Chris co-DM'd a very fun one shot called Dude Wears My Sword about some of our characters <laughs> getting getting drugged basically and waking up and having to reconstruct what they did the previous night to save the uh to save what was going on that was a lot of fun amazing uh we recently did like a valentine's day one shot called romantington hollows where we had three (laughs) real life married couples um playing three engaged couples and that's in world too because some of them jeff and jeff and his wife emily played one of the couples um and that's its own less just fun little one shot so all of those things there's lots of places to kind of jump on and get a taste of it and see what you think we definitely cool. have you know having a balance between i think my goals with any given episode is that there should definitely be times when you laugh out loud at least once lots of humor throughout but like at least one moment that makes <laughs> you laugh out loud but also at least one moment that is like 
an, a powerful enough story moment that like you feel it. Yeah. Whether you kind yeah. of tear up a little bit or like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And so we try to strike a good balance between kind of like an, an adventure and also constant yeah. fun. And that's awesome. I, I also do uh, D&D character art for players and DMs on Patreon. If you look, my uh, handle on most social media is called Dungeon Heads, and it's how it sounds. And um, so I have a Patreon where you can go and look at a library of different characters. If you just need a character for a one-shot or for a campaign or maybe an NPC if you're a DM, Um, all of the black and white art is free. And if you subscribe, you can get color various recolors things like that and i take um once you become a patron you can make suggestions of uh, and vote on you know the next characters i'm going to draw so i post a lot of those videos on on tiktok and and draw on twitch live so i have a whole like art D side that i do as well nice. that's so cool i'm looking at it all right now on yeah. my phone and it's very cool i like we'll, the style a lot. we'll be sure to include links to to all this stuff uh, that we can here in the show notes so anybody who does want to check it out we'll make it as easy as we can for you guys to waddle on over uh, right. to to the dungeon head storefront or not <laughs> i mean do, do what you like table. it's fine just uh you know, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I'll be here next week. Know if you see a tadpole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just if you see it. Kind of looks like that would. <laughs> and like that one. And like that one. And like all the others. And a little like that one. <laughs> They're all unique. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Just like my children, each one is unique. And I, I love them all, even though some of them aren't here. Excuse me. Oh. It's getting way too sad and too serious. So I, I think we should we should cut this off. Before we spiral spiral into a tadpole depression. Uh, <laughs> so, you guys, thank you again so so much for coming on. This is a blast. We we're we're happy to have you again, Zach and Chris. So happy wow. to have you on for the first time. There you go. Uh, we we definitely should do this again sometime. And listeners, thank you guys for tuning in again. If you want to check out us online if you have any feedback for us any fan art fan mail fan fiction that you want to send our way piper where can our listeners go to find us well you can always find us on twitter we are at world forge pod and you can send emails if you have feedback or stories that you want help with uh, you can do that we are worldforgepod at gmail.com uh and also if you're so inclined maybe leave us a little review yeah a five-star review would be ideal yeah <laughs> <laughs> letting people know that you like us Absolutely. uh it'll put uh, our show in front of more ears <laughs> yes yes it uh, helps put bread listening. on our table that we will feed to, we will not feed to ducks yeah unless yeah, it's right, fantasy right, ducks right, who fantasy can ducks, eat yeah, yeah. <laughs> leave a review tasty bread don't feed ducks bread <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so yes we will thank you all listeners to to go and leave a nice little comment in a five-star review or share it with a friend it really is the best way to help support the podcast because we do this totally for free mm-hmm. uh and i think then that's it that's it everybody. Uh, so Yeah, thank you so much uh, for coming back. We'll see you again next week. We love you all. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.